Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, how you doing today? I'm good, Sam. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, man. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Jordan Stern. Jordan is one of the co-founders of Grayspace Group, which uh, to me is a really fascinating company. On, on one side, it's an artist management company managing a handful of really awesome, promising uh, acts. On the other side, they're a brand marketing agency. So they do big, high-scale influencer marketing campaigns, the likes of uh, helping broker influencer collabs with Kylie Jenner, Juice World. So I think as... I mean, they're really focused at the intersection of what's disrupting culture, both both musically and then also for brands. So I think uh, outside of that, Jordan has a lot of experience working with um, Puff, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, uh, Brother Love, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> somebody's following Diddy on Instagram. <laughs> um, so I think he also shares tons of his experiences and learnings in working very closely with Diddy. Uh, I think the way, I mean, he's one of the, the moguls in hip hop and in music, both uh, from his kind of endeavors in the actual music space, but even just having a diverse portfolio and even a lot of Jordan's experience too went beyond just his music projects and into all these different enterprises yeah. he's involved with. So I think a lot of that experience, super valuable. So really excited to dive into this episode. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think my favorite part about Jordan is just how passionate he was about what he what he does. You know, um, I think people can forget. People can, one of my favorite things he said, during the episode is people can chase the the money, but it's better to chase the vision. And, and he'll explain into depth what that means in the episode. And that's exactly how he operates, you know? So, totally. um, yeah, it was great. Well, without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, Jordan. Jordan's. What's yes. happening? About to say, which Mr. One you Stern. Talking yeah. To, bro? yeah, Mr. Jordan Stern, how are you feeling today? Oh, we're good. We're good. I like a little energy. Yeah. A little, boop, boop, boop. little energy. Uh, very excited to have you on, man. It's always fun getting to have guests on that I've been able to collaborate with, man. And I think what you're up to is incredible. So it's uh, very excited to have you on the show. Absolutely. I haven't, I was telling uh, some of the works with us, I haven't been on a, a show like this in college. I had a sports talk show and I like, you know, I like to stay behind the camera and don't like to really get into anything. Social media is private and everything. And I was just like, you know what, let's, let's do it. Nice. Let's do it. I'm a big fan. So. That's honestly to get on. what we want, you know. Hell yeah! If people come on here and they've been on a bunch of a bunch of shit, then they're most likely already famous, and that's not necessarily who we're going for at that time. No, we're still you know? we're still struggling. <laughs> we're still grinding each and every day. <laughs> yeah, I tell yeah. Sam, I saw him at a show. What was that last Thursday? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, we're still grinding, baby. Yeah, we're still grinding. Oh, for sure, brick by brick. Thursday, yeah, Thursday night, eleven thirty. We're just out at a show, still grinding, brick yeah. by brick. Yeah, that's, that's it, brick that's by it. brick. Um, so I know, I think Grayspace Group is a really cool company to me because you guys are able to balance the passion in developing artists and kind of at the same time work with some really cool brands. And often too, it's uh, like developing and breaking early stage artists takes a long time. So I feel like you guys have been able to invest a lot of time, passion and effort into that while also having this very like thriving brand marketing side of your business too. So can you speak a little bit just to a high level, like what Grayspace Group is and what kind of the vision is for that company? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we're on the we're at the intersection of I like to call it culture, right? Mm -hmm. So one is music management because that's what we know best, and you know I'm sure we'll we'll dive into it and how that all came about. Mm -hmm. But what we realize is there's you know a market that's not being tapped. Um, that's both on the artist branding side and on the actual consulting of companies branding mm -hmm. side. So mm -hmm. um, we found a really incredible niche and we are able to form organic partnerships that are second to none ultimately. Mm -hmm. And think of us as a CAA or a UTA, but we're in the weeds. Like mm -hmm. we understand what's moving culture. We have our finger on the pulse. There's three things that I always say. A, we have access, which is, you know, Listen, those agencies have access, but we have direct access, right? They still have to go through three three people to get to the artists, or they still have mm -hmm. to go to four people to get to the managers. I think we have we're in a very, very interesting spot where we have access, right? We have access to the artists themselves, we have access to the managers. So 
one of our brands come to us and they're like, hey, we'd love to work with this artist, which a mm-hmm. lot of times doesn't work that way. It's more like us finding and going to our brands and seeing, okay, what do you guys need? What are you mm-hmm. guys looking for? Mm-hmm. And really understanding where they want to play in the industry. And then we'll reverse engineer that and say, hey, here's the artist that is about to be the next big thing. Call it Juice World a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Like, trust us. We have access we have market intel and we know what's moving the needle in culture mm-hmm. and so we're able to say to a brand hey trust us on this you know this is going to be the next big thing juice world again called 12 15 months ago juice world we did a brand deal with him and next thing you know 15 months later he's on top of the world he's the biggest right. artist in the world yeah, yeah and we're really able to leverage and know okay here's what the brand is looking for and here's you know kind of what the artist you know a appeals to right what his consumers are looking for and we ultimately just form a marriage right we start off dating as as everyone mm-hmm. does and then we build a true relationship and ultimately get into a marriage with a brand. And that's the beauty of it because we're really in the weeds. We understand culture. We're not a UTA who has to answer to shareholders or a CIA who has to answer to shareholders. You know, we're not beholden to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. We do what we think is best for the brand and we do what we think is best for the artist. And that's why we've carved like such an interesting niche in the market. So how do you start working with, you work with artists only for branding, if you, like sometimes, right? Like mm-hmm. There are artists you just work for mm-hmm. for branding. So yeah. how do you begin working with those artists? Absolutely. I think, you know, you know it better than anyone, right? Like this is a relationship-based business. Any relation, any, any business is a relationship business, right? You call it finance. You call it um, marketing, right? Mm-hmm. You for working for Gary and building out relationships there. I'm mm-hmm. sure you still keep in touch with, I know for a fact you do, right? <laughs> you still keep in touch with 20 people, yeah, yeah, whoever yeah. it is. It could be more, but I think that it's a relationship-based business, right? And when my partner and I, Eli, who, you know, we started, call it eight years ago at this point, working together, um, you know, when we were coming up, we worked for Puff. Like, Puff is a mogul, right? <laughs> he is a mogul. There's two moguls in this industry. Jay-Z and it's Puff, at least in my opinion. I don't know. I guess we could we could kind of say Nas <laughs> or who you The two big ones, right? And Kanye West. Yeah, okay. Dr. Drake. All right, all right. Yeah, Drake. Like, all right. We, we are forgetting. <laughs> no, but I think you you hold you hold, I mean, they've been doing it for you know, Dre too, obviously, but they've been doing it for, for 25 they're years. They're OGs, man. They're, they're when OGs. Think, when you think of hip-hop entrepreneurs, Jay-Z yeah, yeah. and Puff are the first, yeah. top two. Absolutely. 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 And everything from, from the music 20 years ago to how they've evolved. And that's like, that's what we love. It's like how they evolved into businesses. They're not businessmen. Like they, they are business businesses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are. Real. They really are. So I think through our, you know, through our eight years of, of growing um, and working for Puff, you kind of, you're looked at as, you know, you're working for a mogul. So it's like, there's got to be a level of understanding that you know what you're what you're doing, right? And mm-hmm. I think that growing up being, you know, 28 years old now, we grew up with people who had, you know, some of the top artists now. And we grew up giving them advice and saying like, they're them coming to us and saying, hey, we just had a liquor deal come across our table, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, can you guys, can you walk us through this? How should this look? Should we be taking a piece of equity? Should we be taking a piece of, you know, the cases that are sold, how can we really structure this? And, you know, we lived it. We lived it, whether it's through Ciroc or one of his other companies or the investments that we made. There's so many different facets of Puff's Mm. business, but like we lived it. We had the experience. So when our friends come to us, you know, we're giving them the advice. So Mm. just being a mentor to people throughout the years is really how we you know, had that sense of like, these are the guys we need to go to for the advice. And we kind of just built that reputation, which is how, what led us into, you know, working with guys like Juice World and to baby Pink Sweats, whoever, you know, it might be right now, who's really moving the needle in terms of culture and music. That's really how it all happened. We had the relationships throughout the years and mm-hmm. we cultivated those relationships. It's a relationship-based business. Does it come from, how much of it is, you know, who you fuck with? Sheesh, a lot. <laughs> like, like, lot. obviously, obviously. You know what? Like, it's not about who you fuck with. And excuse my language. I'm no, sure I my parents it. will Ooh. watch this at some point. Yeah. Um, oh, did you just curse? Yeah. Are you doing it um, on purpose? I thought you just cursed on purpose in response to him no, saying I shouldn't <laughs> have cursed. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, um, okay. No, it's not about who you fuck with. It's it's about who fucks with you. I think that's like a huge thing. It's not about who you know. It's about who knows you, right? Mm-hmm. It, that's 
that's the true nature of relationships. You know, it's like, cool, you met this guy once and yeah, I know him, but do they know you? Are you going to, are they going to call you for advice? Are they going to call you for a brand deal? Are they going to call you for, you know, to get a feature on a song or get in the studio or just give you general advice? Like music industry, you know it better than anyone really. Like there's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of bullshit, fake friends, fake relationships, and, you know, it's kind of hard to to see through the, the quote-unquote bullshit. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of relationships and forming friendships, right? That was, yeah. that was a question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, the meat of it was like, how do you, when, when you decide to work for an artist, how do you get to the point of actually working with the artist? Oh, jeez, that's a whole different... No, but like, I yeah, mean, no, no, hundred percent. You did answer it yeah. with that. It's like you have a lot of relationships, mm-hmm. so you can take advantage of those relationships to get access to yeah. these to these people to end up working with them. Um, how much? So, what if it's an artist that people don't know yet? Do you take? Is, you know, like that's what, the beauty. That's what you like doing. It's like, yeah, of course. That's why we're in this business, right? Right. right. You and I are in this business. We're in a, you being like quasi yeah. in the in the business and forming your own incredible company. Um, and obviously this is the first time we're really meeting, but I've heard right. amazing things. Um, yeah, that's the beauty. That's why we got into this industry. It's to to build something that is going to last for years upon years upon years, right? It's it's building something with someone who you believe in. And, you know, in return, they have to believe in you. That's the whole point of them signing a, whether it's a management deal or a label deal. Um, you know, it's a real partnership, right? And then you continue to scale and grow and you hire people who have the same interests and you hire people who want to get involved and help an artist and they bring artists to the table themselves. And it's the beauty of the business. We got in this to to make a difference, both in the artist's lives, in your employees' lives, in your family's lives. And right, you can make such an impact. Literally, you could sign. I, we spoke a little to it, but. You know, we had a kid from San Antonio, Texas, who who didn't come from much. And the beauty of it is I look at him as as a friend, but I'm like a, a father figure. Right. I, I take them in their family. Like you sign to us or or we're working with you, your family. You're not just a person we work with. And three years after, you know, three years later, the management agreement is, is done or they fire you or whatever it is like <laughs> we're family. We are right. family. Like that is our motto. We we take you in. We're family, and we work together, and we work to make you an act for the next twenty years, not for the next two, three years. And you know, you go off into oblivion. Like we want to make you a household name. We want to. We want you to to go on tour and have twenty thousand. You know, twenty thousand people fill up an arena, and every single one of those twenty thousand people in the crowd is jumping up and down and smiling, and you're making an impact on their lives, right? same thing on social media of course you know we can go on and on about how (laughs) terrible social media is and you only see one side of Mm -hmm. you know one side of a person and it's not real and you know but at the same point someone might wake up in the mornings and look at instagram and see an artist you know just putting up a snippet of a song and that just made their day you know i think that's the beauty of why we got into this industry it's to make an impact make a difference each and every single day and you know, we're all about building a family first. Mm-hmm. That's dope. When you talk about your experience working with Puff, can you, how, first of all, how did that opportunity come about? Um, <laughs> and what exactly yeah, yeah. was your role? I for? always wanted to work in sports. Like, I always wanted to work in sports. I studied the sports business. I lived it. I breathed it. There used to be a local card store in my town. Um, I used to buy show, like, we are, we're all around the same age. We talked about it before. I used <laughs> to buy. He's a baby. Though. Yeah, yeah, he's a baby. He's a baby. Yeah, yeah, little baby. Um, and there's a local card store, and I used to buy showdown cards from, from the spot. I used to sell showdown cards. Um, I used to, you guys, it's crazy. I hope you guys did the same, but um, we used to get those packs where it was like one in every 15 packs had a game jersey or a hardwood yeah, floor. Yeah, like, right, right. I still, ha- I used to flip them to whoever would buy them. <laughs> I used to, oh, I still, I, I still have one card that I kept. I'll never forget it. And I got to go find it. I don't even know where it is. It's a Michael Jordan, North Carolina piece of the floor with a jersey same card signed by him Damn. I need to find it but yeah, you I, need to I, find I, it. yeah, yeah I need to find it I was gonna say <laughs> but no I I lived I really lived and breathed sports and um you know I studied sports in college sports and business in college and um you know 
somehow, some way, June, uh, sophomore year of college. It was probably December of my sophomore year in college. And I was looking for an internship as, you know, that's the logical path of kids these days, you know, go to college and in the summers, look for an internship, put something on your resume and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I go on Twitter, the craziest thing. I go on Twitter and I see Puff post um, looking for summer interns hit the link to my uh, website and it was to Blue Flame's website. I don't know if you guys know yeah. what Blue Flame is, but it was a link a to, agency, to Blue, right. right, marketing agency, yeah. which was honestly at the forefront of marketing agencies. It was VaynerMedia before VaynerMedia was VaynerMedia. And it was, um, you know, it was at the forefront of what digital marketing is. And, you know, I wish it continued that way. Um, you know, one thing led to another. But it didn't. But it was the most incredible company. And so anyway, I applied. I got called back two weeks later and they were like, hey, can you come in first week of March for your first interview? I was like, oh, shit. First week of March, that's spring break. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I'm trying, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm, trying to I'm, I'm a sophomore in college. I want to have some fun. Yeah. And, you know, it, it all hit me. And I was like, you know what? I got to do it. I got, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, you know unfortunately missed spring break and a lot of fun but it might make an impact throughout my entire life mm -hmm, and yeah. went back that one weekend for spring break um took the train into the city uh, i'll never forget it 54th and broadway puff had this it says bad Boy. it actually still says bad boy entertainment on the top of it his picture was in the window six floors <laughs> of the building one floor was sean sean one floor is blue flame one floor is management another floor was like his executive you know, wing of the office, conference room, his office and everything. I walked in there. I was shocked. I didn't realize how big the operation really was. Had an intern interview, got called back three times. And uh, they finally offered me the internship my Damn, sophomore how many, summer. How many interviews was it? I think in total, it was five interviews. To be an intern. To be an intern. To be an unpainted intern. To be an unpaid. Oh, I don't know. Signing in, yeah, I don't know, unpaid stipend, yeah, whatever, whatever <laughs> said, it was, said, unpaid stipend. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I do think I, I don't remember. I don't, yeah, yeah, you no, know, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it was. I, I, well, Wayne, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember it was. It was like twenty dollars a week stipend. It didn't even pay for for my train. Crazy. It was five days a week though. Oh, it was five. It was seven days a week. I didn't. I didn't stop working. I I probably lost a lot of friendships. I worked nonstop. And as crazy as it sounds, that summer I was his, like in his executive assistant um, office. Yeah, yeah. Halfway through the summer, his actual executive assistant left and I kind of just jumped into the role. I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm around. I could just jump into it. And that's what I did. And I didn't take, you know, God, thank God the opportunity even came across. I just jumped at it. And I was like, you know what? Let's go. And I didn't stop. That was halfway through the summer. So we probably had five weeks left. Mm -hmm. I didn't stop. And last week, we, you know, the exit, call it exit interviews or whatever we had, uh, you know, they invited me back. Puff invited me back. It was like, I was like, honestly, I would love to come back, but I want to, I want to learn management. I always wanted, I told you guys, I always yeah. wanted to be in sports. I always wanted to do management, sports management you know, being an agent, mm -hmm. whatever the logical path was, go to law school, be an agent. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And he was like, you know what? Come back next summer. You'll be part of my management team. And it's funny because throughout the year, I did not stop working for him or for people who worked for him throughout the entire year. I would work. I'd wake up in the mornings and I was sending emails. Mm -hmm. I created this newsletter. Um, when that same summer and I was sending out the newsletter every day still. Every single day I was in college, I still worked for Puff. Mm. And, you know, and those types of things, people see it, right? Yeah. People understand it. People are like, wow, this kid is hungry. He wants it. And uh, I guess I gave up on the, the whole sports route. Actually, Alex Rodriguez had a great quote. He's like, athletes have maturity dates. And once I heard that, I was like, all right, I'm going to go all in on the music industry. <laughs> I was like, you could have an artist Call it U2 or the Rolling Stones. These guys have been touring for 50 years. I think I'm on an athlete who has a maturity date, right? Right. God only knows what happens when the athlete retires, what happens to you. Mm -hmm. Well, it so depends like, on what part of your career you're in. For well, them, right? true. Because they could, you could still be very very much in part of their brand endorsement Absolutely. deal section for, but, you know, for the rest and, of life. And the beauty of that is, and we could go, we could even go into that side. It's like, 
athletes, there's, and especially now, right? They're the safer route. You know, from the marketing side, an athlete is a safer route than an artist right now. It's like, oh, um, I don't want to work with this artist. You know, I don't like what they're, what they're rapping about. I don't like what they're singing about this, mm-hmm. that, right? But music is moving culture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But everyone's still like, oh, let me go the safe route. Let me get an athlete to do this, do that. But now there's only X amount of athletes outside of, call it the top five guys in every sport. And maybe not even football. Maybe football has three guys, call it Mahomes, Brady, Odell, maybe a few more. But like mm-hmm. they're behind the helmet. Yeah. It's hard to market a, a football player. You know, basketball is a little easier. It's it's probably the biggest global sport outside of maybe soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's the top five guys who are doing it. You know, it's top five guys are getting branded those. Durant, LeBron, Steph. Um, you know, it's those top guys. So it's like you have to be the cream of the crop. Same thing in the music industry, but music is really moving culture. And you can have your own niche. Call it Billie Eilish or... Um, whoever the artist might be, Billie Eilish or DaBaby or J. Cole. Everyone has their own niche. There's opportunities for you to connect with a brand mm-hmm. on an organic level and make money for years upon years. Right. And then hopefully, I mean, it's a big part of what we like to talk about, but own your own IP, right? And, right. and not, not have to rely on a brand if you get to a certain point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the difference. And I was like, I'm going all in on music. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about sports anymore. And that's what, that's what happened. Came back. Junior summer was interned as part of the, part of the management team. Got asked back after that, after my senior year. Again, throughout my whole junior year, was doing work every single day, sending emails. And then once I graduated, um, senior year, uh, I was offered a job and I never looked back. I did it for five and a half years of no sleep and making an impact on you know a mogul's life in every way I can. Investments. Um, brands that he owns, marketing campaigns, product launches, brand launches, Revolt. Um, How big was the direct team that worked with him? Because I'm sure, it's, you know, Gary, for example, got like, you know, what, 14, 15 people just on his social team? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that? Yeah. About like 25. 25? Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah. wild. Different. Different, right? Um, right, right. Each brand had their own team. And they're all working directly with him. It's like, yo, come into me, come yes. in the room. It's yes. Diddy's in the room. Yeah. But I mean, as as being part of the management team, I was, thank God, I was so blessed because I saw every single facet of the company. Every single facet. Right. Whether it was Ciroc or it was Sean John doing a fashion show or it was... Um, or it was Revolt Launch or it was the Bad Boy Reunion Tour Every or investments. I used to sit in with the chief growth officer. He was extremely, extremely brilliant. And I used to sit in on investment opportunities and, and vet out investment opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like, I really touched every single thing. It was, and and anyone who you ask that works for Bad Boy, like that's an education within itself. You got your right. MBA, your law degree, every single thing Boys. in once. <laughs> like that is what you, you take on every single task. No, Puff does not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you've got to somebody be... tell him no, but like, no, I can't. No, <laughs> definitely not. I was going to say, definitely I'm not. trying to hear about that shit. Yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's relentless, you know, and, and that grooms you into being, you know, who we are today in every single facet. And that's why we're able to, to make, you know, sweat equity investments or we're able to work with brands or we're able to work with artists on a different level because we had the experience. Mm-hmm. So it's a blessing. So if you had to say one thing, working with Puff, like one trait that you were like, yo, this motherfucker is crazy or like, yo, like in a good way, you know what I mean? Like what, what's, what's, what's something where you walked away like, bro, I got to be like that. You know what I mean? I got to teach people how to be like that, you know? Yeah. It was a can't stop, won't stop mentality. It really was. It was. Because I heard he's on his health tip right now. Well, yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. I mean, listen. He's meditating. He said he's getting seven hours of sleep. I'm like, this ain't the puff we used Mm -hmm. to see in. See, you know. This ain't the puff we used to see in. You cannot say no. You have to figure out a solution, right? As crazy as it sounds, he used to, obviously, it was making the band and it was a little little craziness. But like, go to Junior's and get a cheesecake at two in the morning when they're closed for three hours. It's like, figure it out. Figure it out. And now it's one of the most amazing things. And it was just a can't stop, won't stop mentality. It was staying up for days on end, even though, you know, you look at research now and studies now how important sleep is. But like we were at it. 
we were at it. It was every single day, whether we were on tour or we were at a, on doing appearances or um, promoting uh, a new flavor of Ciroc or whatever it was. Like we were always at it. We did not stop. We did not sleep, especially being in the positions that we were in as a small team, as three of us on the management team. Um, like we did not stop. There was nothing we didn't have our hands in. So it w- we never turned off. Mm-hmm. And it's a blessing and a curse, right? They're like, I worked 24 seven, didn't have the best relationship with friends, kind of lost touch with certain people. But I knew that there was a greater purpose to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, can't stop, won't stop mentality. I mean, there's so many. Um, one of my good friends who worked with Puff to this a guy named Neil Dominique. I don't know if you if you know Neil. I don't think. I don't yeah, think he I manages know. Bryson Tiller. Okay. Um, oh, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Man. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um he had one one thing that he kind of took with him, and it was don't chase the money, chase the vision, right? And so many times he worked with Puff too. Yeah, yeah, he worked with Puff too. Oh yeah. damn. Yeah. So there were so many times. I mean, the lineage is crazy. Like you could, you, <laughs> I could go down the line for. For, President for days. Barack Obama? He oh, went yeah. Puff too. I though. mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he but, turned on the Puff. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, but he was, he was always, you know, don't chase the money, chase the vision. And working with Puff, that's another thing that kind of gave us a different look outlook on things, right? It's, you know, there were, you know, opportunities that came across our desk every single day. Million dollar opportunities. And we were like, holy crap, we're part of the management team. And this is an amazing opportunity. It's a few million dollars. And then you just have to take a step back and say, whoa, like, is this even a really good opportunity outside the money? Is right? it strategic? Right. Is it strategic? That's, Does that's it make something sense? my boss is teaching. Does it align with, the, right. with his overall brand? And right. that's kind of the beauty of where we stand now is why we're able to create a, a branding agency and work with artists because we understand it from the management side, not just working with the brands. We understand it from a management side to the point where we know what's good and what's not good for a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where we carved out the niche. And it's been, you know, it, it's really, really important. Again, UTA, CAA, no disrespect, but they're beholden to their shareholders and they'll go to a brand that we work for or, or the agency, you know, they'll they'll send them an email, a cold email on a Wednesday afternoon with 50 different artists that, that are they have to UTA or WME, whoever it is, right? And um, 50 different artists. And a brand will look at this like, who am I supposed to pick out of these 50 artists? Well, we take a step back and say, you know, here's the one artist that would be perfect for this upcoming campaign. You know, you know, here's why, right? Here's what their fan base is here. Here's what they kind of preach. Here's, here's why it makes sense organically. And that's kind of where we live. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of, you know, again, I learned every single thing from Puff and Bad Boy and, you know, just how to look at different brand deals and how to look at investments and how to look at touring opportunities. Like there's nothing that didn't cross our plate that we can't look at now and say, hey, we already we already know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. We still that's fail. Well, we don't know it all. Right. But at least we had the experience. And, you know, that was a case study within itself. But the experience that you have is so, so, so important. Hopefully, you know, help us over the next 40, 50 years. Yeah, and I think that's super valuable too because I think having broad, getting deep experience in certain industries is valuable, but being able to take on jobs and opportunities where you get exposure and immersion across a bunch of different verticals can really help shape a very well-rounded perspective. Oh, and the best part about it is, you know, working for Puff, I actually wrote down there there was a quote and it's like, I don't even know where the quote is. I have some notes. Sam was making fun of me about it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and with, and, you know, fundamentally with any company, right? There's a ceiling, right? And, and we reached a point, my partner Eli and I reached a point where we said, you know, we want, you know, the floor to be stable. We don't want the ceiling to be stable. Like we mm-hmm. want to shoot for the stars. And that was kind of when we, we transitioned. Um, but one of the things that we, that we really learned, the quote is somewhere, a, a role model of, of mine, Arya Burkhoff said, um, the toe you step on today might be connected to the ass you kiss tomorrow. And I think that is one of the most interesting things because when you work for Puff, again, he's one of those, he's one of two moguls in the industry and you have so much leverage if I wanted to call Obama, we probably could, right? Like you have that much leverage. It's when you leave that you're like, okay, let me take a step back and see, can I can I call Jimmy Iovine on a Tuesday and he answers five minutes later? 
probably not anymore, right? And right. that's like really where you understand the music business. It's like you understand why people were answering your calls or your emails. And I just named him for namesake. It has really not relevant. I was about but, to say, you have a call, yeah. Jimmy. I no. mean, he got maybe five minutes, man, shit. <laughs> no, but that, you know, that was just, that was just a, a, a reference because that's a, a mogul who, you know, Puff has an amazing relationship with, yeah, but, yeah. but just in general. And then you take a step back and you start your own thing. It's like, it's only the people who you really built those incredible relationships with. Other people, again, it could be, you know, they're stepping on the toe of the person, you know, the ass that's connected to the toe that they may need tomorrow, right? So, once you lose the leverage to an extent, you rely on those relationships that you built. And that's mm-hmm. where it really becomes genuine. And that's where you really grow and become, you know, who you are. And, so when and you what figure you out know. who the homies are mm-hmm. once you dip. Yeah. That's exactly. cool. So you, you you planned a bad boy reunion tour? How did you, how did you do oh, that? that you, was, with logistically? Like- that was a, a wild ride. That was a wild And I also wild, want wild to connect ride. it to your company too. Like with yeah, some yeah. of the main things you've learned mm-hmm. from your past experience, obviously working with Puff being yeah. the biggest one to how you run your company right now. Yeah, you totally. know, and what's some things you changed? What's some things you're like, yo, I don't, I don't think I want to bring that, that element of bad boy to, to this company. Yeah. You know, how did you, how did you, and you don't got the shit on it or whatever. No, no, right? no. There was, no, <laughs> I saw no. Sam smiling over I really, like I cursed or something. I really I have it. not, like every single, again, it's a blessing. I, I learned everything that I know, right? And, and the one thing is, what we what we took from from Bad Boy, it's a family. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about the lineage. You can go to um, Cornell, who runs Complex, or you could go to Neil, who's an incredible manager, or you could go to Dia, who's going to be the biggest woman in in cannabis, or you can go to talking about Dia Sims. Yeah, yeah. Like you could. There are so many people that I'm that, trying to get her on this motherfucking podcast too. Yeah, I was she, just looking at she, an interview for her. The other she'd day, be but incredible. She probably, she probably too. I mean, she's she's pretty big. So oh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> what big. Were you trying to say? I guess I'm not. Big. Big. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. I'm just saying <laughs> she, yeah, she probably oh, charged. No, no, no. You wanna, no, we're doing a Jordan swap right now. I'll reach out. I'll reach out to her. I'll reach out to her, and we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. No, but 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 everyone, everyone, everyone who fucking who, say yeah, embarrassing me as shit. No, everyone. I, I mean, it was a real family culture. It was a real family culture, and that's that's one of the things that we we built um, at Gray Space Group. Like we're one big family. Eli and I like cherish the people that work with us, um, and. and you know, we're one family with the same goal, right? Because that's how we're going to get to, you know, make the biggest impact on right. this world. We're one big family. Um, and that's the most important thing. And that's what we learned from Puff. Like, you you feel like family. It's a, you know, it will be a random, and, and as crazy as it sounds, it's it's the little things. It would be a random Wednesday night and we didn't sleep all week. Mm-hmm. And you know what? What is, what is not sleeping all week? Like what? Oh, like, no, no, like, no, no, like, no. When, like, you, when you say you're not sleeping all week, because I know some people that be working 100 hours and they literally like, they get like one or two hours of sleep. I know some people that say they don't sleep, but they really get like yeah. three or four. Like what What to you is no sleep? Like how many hours a night of sleep were you getting that week? Well, honestly, I was I was um, commuting for, for most of the my time working for Puff, right? So uh-huh. that was two hours out of my day. Where, where are you commuting from? Um, Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was commuting from Long Island for, for three and a half years. And um, after after I graduated and got a full-time job and, and you know, commute call two hours, right? So maybe I'd get in at one, two in the morning and I would be back on the train at eight, nine a.m. Or I'd be getting in the city at nine a.m. So I was getting four or five hours three, four, five hours of sleep. Some nights, I kid you not, when we were releasing an album, when we were on tour, when we were doing product launches for Ciroc, whatever it might have been, we did not sleep. Like, I mean zero. <laughs> I mean zero hours. Like, when we were releasing um, MMM, I remember oh, it was it was one, actually three nights in a row because, you know, you did the road show. You go, you go to the radio stations and you go to... Um, you know, you go to different cities, you know, you know what it is. You go to different cities, you're on the radio one second, you're on a, a TV network the next, you're doing a morning show, you're doing um, the Letterman or Leno or whoever the guys are back then at night, right? Fallon. Um, then you're waking up and you're doing Good Morning America and you're doing a performance on Good Morning America. So not only do you have to be there at 4 a.m., you have to make sure the dancers are there at 3 a.m. and you have to make sure the other artists are also going to be there on time. And, you know, there weren't like... <laughs> 
if I had to put it all together, probably <laughs> months out of the five and a half years that like, <laughs> cumulative that you didn't like, you just didn't sleep. But again, you know, um, and there were days where I would question what I was doing, and yeah. and and it was the grind. It was a real, real grind. I mean, that's natural, right? Oh, one hundred percent. I was, um, I got sick in in June from from pretty much like overwork and overstress. Yeah. And, and when in situations like that, you really have a come to Jesus moment where it's like, mm-hmm. yo, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, my body doesn't know I work in mm-hmm. management. Like, my body has no idea why I'm doing this shit. It's like I'm just torturing myself, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you rest up and then you end up getting back to it. And I think right. it's tying it back to that vision that you're speaking of. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, this I'm exhausted, you know, but let me go take a nap and get back to the vision I was working on beforehand. And, but, you know, but doing it a little differently. You know, I meditate now. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you, I you heard. Change, yeah, yeah, you change, you Oh, I did my due diligence. Bit. I know you meditate. <laughs> I know you try to meditate. You're, you're <laughs> getting there. I got you're getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting there. You're getting there. Some waves. No, we... I, Some no, days I naturally meditate. No, it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's really Sometimes funny. I should be staring at people meditating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. Oh, you thought I was listening to you. I mean, but even we were talking months ago and the same way you meditate, it's like, I try to biohack um, life, right? I try to read as much as I can. I try to, now I try to get sleep as much as possible, even though it's still, still somewhat difficult because we're still super busy. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's like, I don't know, intermittent fasting and, and meditating. It's like all these different, it's really into that shit. All these different life, (laughs) all these different life hacks, which I wish I knew five and a half years ago. But again, yeah, there were there were definitely a lot of um, sleepless nights, and you know you can't achieve success without those types of things and, and failing and waking up the next morning and doing it again. Um, we did the 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 bad boy reunion tour really started in May. It was one again. We went to Lidditz, Pennsylvania. I don't know how many people know, but when you're doing an for a rehearsal, yeah, for rehearsal, when you're doing an I've arena seen the tour, documentary. yeah, when you're do <laughs> when you're doing an arena tour, the only place you can really set up a stage was in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Like the only place where you can go and set up an entire stage. Now I think they do it at Izod in Jersey, but um, at the time I think the whoever was still playing there and it was it was kind of transitioning. But we were into Lidditz, Pennsylvania. This is like four hours out of the city. And for a week straight, we were rehearsing, like in a week straight, we didn't sleep. And and Puff needed to stay at a, it was 45 minutes from Hershey, but, you know, Hershey was a five, four or five star hotel. And so that's where we needed to stay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I kid you not, it was probably every every night we were getting home at 3, 4 a.m., waking back up at 6 a.m. And that hour drive of getting to Lidditz, Pennsylvania but um, yeah, wait. What was the question? Lidditz. I can't. I can't believe it. Lidditz is <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah, wild. Um, yeah, Lidditz, Pennsylvania. But anyway, going back to it, you know, that's what started off the tour, and we failed. We the first show was a complete failure, and people in the in the crowd they had no idea. We were getting text messages and looking online, best show ever, blah blah blah. And Puff is a perfectionist. He's a real perfectionist. And, um, you know, again, you can't achieve success without failure. Yeah. And he and we failed that night. And it was a shitty night. <laughs> I didn't we didn't sleep. It was like the sound didn't come on at the right time. The um, the the dancers were a step off. The graphics were a step off. The pyro was a step off. Everything was off. But the crowd wouldn't have noticed that. But we were perfectionists. And, and it was interesting. I think it was like 5 a.m. that morning. We got an email and Puff was like, you know, this is a best of three series. We got another game tomorrow. And we were just right back at it, you know, mm-hmm. and we just didn't stop. We just really, really didn't stop. There was, you know, there was failures because everyone fails and it's bullshit to not see failure, even so though he had Instagram a, he had looks pretty, perfect. He had a pretty good growth mindset then. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And that, I don't next think that's night, how people think of Puff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think people think of Puff like, I mean. And some just, you know, in general, it's like, oh, you fucked up. Puff going to beat your ass. I mean, <laughs> that's that's kind of no, no. Listen, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, there are times where, where you'd be in, in the dog hole and <laughs> in Lidditz. We're in Lidditz. It was game seven in the NBA finals, I think. And for one second, one second, I sat down to watch the, the game. There's like, you know, there's a whole crew. We had we had 15 trucks that went out on that on that tour and so the guys were watching the game a few other people were watching the game i thought <laughs> puff was eating or something and my, i kicked my feet up i was watching two minutes of the game next thing i know he comes through the door he's like yo jordan 
I was like, yeah. And uh, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, uh, I was watching one minute of the game. He's like, nope, let's get back out there. I was like, damn, I just wanted to watch one minute of the game. But it's just like, <laughs> yeah, we were relentless. We definitely like, we were just story. wanted to watch one I think minute of the game. One minute of the game. Where I guess he had a videographer and they were at some like dinner together. Oh, yeah. that was, and, yeah, yeah. And the videographer like, Went to set down the camera to like take a drink of water and like as he was setting down the camera, Puff was like, "Yo, did I say you could set yeah. down the camera?" <laughs> oh man, yeah, I just wanted to watch one minute of the game. No, that's but, funny. Yeah, All right, well, let's jump back to Gray Space because I think what you guys, I think it's amazing that you've been able to extract and, and grow a lot as a person and bring all these learnings to the table. But I think what you guys are doing with Gray Space is a really unique and interesting model. Um, given kind of the diversity, but also just how united the kind of the two arms of the business really are. Um, when it comes to the management side, like what do you think is like broken in traditional management and what are some of the holes you're trying to to fill when it comes to creating yeah. a pretty innovative management arm? Yeah. Jordan, Jordan can talk to this too. And we kind of dove a little into it before this. Uh, the music industry is changing, right? And it is in a place that it hasn't been in a very, very, very long time. And that's an incredible place. Um, at the same time, I think that, you know, the music industry has evolved more into like a venture capital firm. Yes, venture capital firms make a ton of money, right? But at the same time, for lack of a better word, they're throwing shit on a wall and hoping one thing sticks and that one thing will make up for all of their losses, right? And it's almost like the music industry has taken that same model, right? Where... Um, I won't name names of a label, but um, labels in general are saying, okay, I'll throw quarter million dollars at this guy, half million dollars at this guy, 25 grand at this guy. And it's so data driven right now. And that's not why we're in this industry. We're in this industry to build artists. We're in this industry to, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, the cream will always rise to the top. Right. Yeah. But this is, you know, they're almost being looked at as disposable. It's like, oh, I got this kid. If he doesn't pop in a, in a year, you know what? I'll cut my ties. I lost some money, but it's OK. I'll sign the next kid. And mm-hmm. like, that's not why we got into this business. Right. Um, and I think another interesting thing is and this just happened this week and you could speak more to it than anybody. Right. Instagram is going to delete likes and and views. Right. What's going to happen? Like, what is going to happen to the industry? Next thing you know, maybe YouTube might do the same and you might not know how many views are on the video, right? And Spotify might do the same. And labels, next thing you know, labels will have zero. I mean, obviously, there's so much back end. One of my friends, brilliant kid out of LA, is, has a, a company that actually is able to, you know, um, garner all of this, you know, back end stuff. But again, it's, it's to the point where it's like brands will need to understand, you know, this artist better and labels will need to really understand the artist better. It's not about just the likes and the views. It's about like finding that artist and cultivating them into a superstar. It's not about just throwing shit on a wall and hoping something sticks. Like we're losing that artistry. We're losing that, that aspect of the business. Um, that, that, it's a reason why at least I'm in it and I'm sure the same with you, right? Like you find an artist and they become family and you want to help build them into a touring superstar for 20 years. You're not in it for the short game. We're in it for the long game, right? Um, and I feel like we need to, you know, the labels are making so much money. They don't even, again, it's the same thing as, <laughs> as 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, the labels were printing money with CDs, printing money, right? Why adopt? Why adapt? Why why even think that streaming is going to change the industry or piracy is going to come around or LimeWire or um, you know whatever is going to is going to come right? Mm-hmm. Napster. Why well, think about it? We're making so much money hand over fist with selling CDs for twelve ninety nine. Who cares, right? I feel like I don't want us to go down that same route. But at the end of the, I mean, streaming is going to be around for twenty years, so it probably won't. It's not the logical step, but I'm scared we're going to go down that hole again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not why we got into this industry. I think we got into this industry to work with, you know, talent and build them from the ground up, right? Mm-hmm. Brick by brick, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of it. Like, There's a beauty in taking a kid out of, um, you know, a, a dark place where, where, you know, he could be living with 
and this is true for for us could be living with a few people in a bedroom and a in a house that they could barely afford electricity or whatever it might be and and taking them out of that situation and giving them an opportunity to to succeed like they would have never been able to um that's that's why we're in this industry not to so, throw shit on a wall and hope so something sticks let's say you want to manage sam yeah what what are you what are you saying to him what type of what type of stuff are you saying to him we're in it for the long game. Like we're going to become family. We're going to figure out. I think one of one of the things that that we love to to talk about is your goals. Do they align with our goals? Right. Like you are only going to go as far as your artist goes. Right. If your artist isn't going to put in the work, you you're not going to. It's not going to. You could put in as much work as you can. Right. You could go with days on end. Work. 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 Find growth hacking opportunities that we do together or, or do certain things. Right. But. If your artist isn't in the studio creating music, it's not going to go, right? So you need to make sure that your goals are aligned with the artist. Is the artist going to get in there and work every day? Is he going to be relentless? Is he going to go out and, and as much as, you know, you hate to say, is he going to go network with other artists? Is he going to go, you know, um, kiss babies at the local mall so that <laughs> so that he's getting another fan, right? Mm-hmm. Is he going to go to the radio show and stand outside just to just to have the... the um, the, the DJ listen to his song. Is he going to put in the work that artists need to succeed? Mm-hmm. You said it before the podcast, right? It's like, just because you signed to a management, uh, you signed to a manager or you signed to a management company or you just signed to a label, doesn't mean your career is over. Like, they're, they're not, not going to save you. They're not going to save you. You're going to save yourself. But if our goals are aligned and you're willing to work as hard as I'm going to work, I'll probably still outwork you. But if you're willing to in a way, put the work, yeah, in a in way, a way, right? Yeah. If you're willing to put in the work, we're going to do this together, and it's going to be the long game. And it's the same thing as Instagram, right? Everyone wants, everyone wants the instant gratification, right? Mm-hmm. Even artists, they're so young, and, and you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, we're we're older than a lot of the artists we sign, at least, right? And all they know is looking at Instagram and a kid who they went on tour with six months ago is now the biggest artist in the world. And he just Mm -hmm. had a number one single and he's been on the Billboard charts for 20 weeks in a row. And, you know, why aren't why aren't I in the same position? Like it's it's about the long game. I think that is the the number one thing. If our goals are aligned, if you know it's about the long game, we're going to do it brick by brick. We're going to put out EPs together. We're going to put out albums together and we're going to get to a point where you know, whether you want to sell out your local theater in your in your town or you want to sell out stadiums with Jay-Z and Beyonce, we're going to do it together. Damn, with Jay-Z and Beyonce. He said, you on tour with Jay-Z and Beyonce. You'd be the first artist to ever do that shit. <laughs> no, I guess DJ Khaled did it if you know. But yeah, yeah. again, at the at the end of the day, it's it's as long as your goals are aligned, it doesn't matter if it's a local show with 300 people in the room or a stadium with 60,000 people in the room. I think they become your family. Um, and, and that's the number one thing in this industry. It's, it's, it's really curating something for the long term. And I think that's the same thing with, you know, why guys like Gary V are, are so successful. I just use it as an example or mm-hmm. Puff or any of these guys, cause they see the long game, right? It's like you make a decision with, to, to take equity in a brand, or you make a decision with a brand to work with a brand. Like you're looking at the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's what I would say. I would now, say, what would you say to Sam if he wanted to work for you? We have someone that works for us in this off in this in this building right now, and it's and it's the same thing. You're instantly going to become part of our family. Yeah, and, and you know your goals are going to be aligned. We're going to work really hard, but we're going to work hard together. We never say someone works for us. Someone like everyone work works with. with us. Yeah, that's the beauty of you know that's we're family. You know person that works with us they'll come to dinner with my my family right and and my partner the same way like we really i think it comes from the top down it's like we feel the same way about our families so we only want those you know people who work with us or the artists to also become of that that bigger family have dinner with my parents right come come to you know my sister's event or come to my cousin's graduation whatever it might be you know (laughs) but we want to make sure that everyone is is family Right, you know? right. We're in it for the long game. <laughs> like, of course, we're, we like money yeah. too. Yeah, we're, we're, in it. we're in it for the long game. We want to, you know, we want to work hard and be a good person, and it will come back a million fold. Right? It's not. We're not so worried about the dollar tomorrow. We're more worried about in twenty years what's the impact we made on this world, and hopefully in a hundred years people remember us, which is, you know, not so likely. But guys like 
you know, Walt Disney and, mm-hmm. you know, David Geffen. Hey, man, you don't and, know that. People could remember you. you uh, th- that's the goal. Old. That's the goal. Yeah, but you said, you said, man, you said. I said God probably not. You said probably I mean, not. probably in a hundred years. In a hundred, <laughs> I think the, 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 the thing is, in a hundred years, the one thing that you want to remember is that the people who worked with you and the people who whether it was artists on on your management or artists on your label or your family they'll remember you and they'll yeah. they'll pass it down to from generation to generation to generation and know that that's the impact you want to make as long as you have one person it's good for me yeah right for sure that's good for me one specific like very tactical question given the fact uh that you do all these different influencer marketing campaigns. Um, do you think there's space for smaller artists to set up campaigns on their own? Like, I think obviously you guys are doing a lot of brokering with like major artists like Juice World and so on and so forth. And I think a lot of times when people default to influencer marketing, it's very easy to instantly think about like these macro major influencers. When it comes to younger artists that are looking to diversify their revenue streams, do you think there's an opportunity for them to proactively approach brands to try to rock in brand deals? hundred percent. hundred percent. If if an artist understands the brand's brand needs mm-hmm. um, and the artist lives that same lifestyle as the brand is portraying, you know, anyone call it um, even, even a, a specific one, for example, is pink sweats, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He did an incredible, incredible job. He, he built a brand based off wearing pink sweatsuits, right? And, you know, we were able to come in and even if we didn't come in, there's something there. Like he created a real brand for himself. He could go reach out to, and we happen to work on on the Adidas deal that he he did, but um, he could go do that himself, right? Like right. his, there's, it's pink sweats, right? <laughs> and, and he can go reach out to Adidas or Nike Champion. or, and, 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 I'm sorry to 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 bring this back and reverse kind of reverse engineer this, but one of the most important things that um, a mentor of mine, Leo Cohen, said is like you have to own IP, right? Mm-hmm. You have to own IP. It's the same thing with your record label and you know the management side to an extent, depending on how the deal is structured. Mm-hmm. But you have to own IP, and I would implore, although we love the brands that we work with, and you love the brands you work with, I love the brands we work with, and I'm sure you're, you're the same way. Um, like I implore artists to go and formulate it themselves. Mm-hmm. Juice World is a great example. His merch um, and everything that he does is in-house. Like mm-hmm. He built the IP. They own it, mm-hmm. right? And I implore artists to do the same, although it's really hard because you're not sure. Um, for example, we work with a, uh, a beauty subscription box service. They have like 1.5 million subscribers a month um, and they put beauty products in, in boxes and, mm-hmm. and different artists. It's, it's such an interesting thing. I don't want to name names or, or whatnot. We call it Artist A um, has a deal with uh, pure cosmetics and Artist B has that same influence um, in the beauty space and wants to do it on their own, right? Mm-hmm. And own the IP, kind of like a Kylie Kylie Jenner type mm-hmm. of situation, right? Um, and there are so many different examples of like reaching out to the monthly subscription box that we work with mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I know that my competitor is now working with Pure Cosmetics or whoever it might be, and they're going to put them in Sephora, which is calling, I don't even know how many stores, so, Sephora or Ulta, which is, you know, call it millions and millions of, of people, foot traffic a day, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, you could take a step back and say, hey, maybe I could just cold reach out to this company. It's actually called BoxyCharm. Reach out to this company called BoxyCharm who has 1.5 million subscribers every month. And maybe I could just do a campaign with them. I'll organically promote their brand and vice versa. They'll put my product in their box. There's so many different touch points in the industry now that you can go do that with, right? And just leverage the 1.5 million subscribers that they have every month. Mm-hmm. So I implore artists to not only say, oh, let me go the easy route and, and get a million dollar check and work with this brand and have X amount of deliverables and um, and call it the brand. The brand pays you a lump sum of money, right? Mm-hmm. Call it a million dollars. And the brand just paid you a million dollars. What do you think? The brand's only the brand's gonna make less than a million dollars. They're very calculated. They know that they're gonna make probably five to call it 
multiple wise. Yeah, call it call it multiple wise. A brand would go anywhere from they'd say eight to fifteen times what they what they paid you. That would make sense, Mm -hmm. right? To an extent, and so what you value companies at, depending on the the industry. Um, So why why can't I do that myself? Mm -hmm. Like yes, there's marketing dollars the same way as a label. You know, really, you, you can only stay independent so long, even though now it's it's changed. But it's the marketing dollars and it's this and it's that. But it's finding those niche brands that you can work with and say, hey, I don't need so much marketing. I'll leverage my brand and I'll leverage their brand and we could create something together. Right. So although we love brands and, and everything, I I would implore artists to kind of, you know, and it's so tough. And this is this is where we live. This is why we're so successful. You know, a manager can, you know, a manager can only have so many things on their plate, right? You can only do so many things in a day. You don't have time to go source uh, um, a, a product that your that your artist wants, right? It's like, oh, you, my artist wants to create a, a jean that has a specific rip on it and with a, a specific design. Let me go spend eight hours of my day doing that, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have time. So a lot of times you take the easy route and say, oh, let me just collect a million dollar check from X brand, <laughs> from Joe's jeans or Levi's or whoever it is. And, you know, we'll go from there. I don't, I don't <laughs> need to carry all the heavy lifting. Let me focus on the album that comes out in three weeks. Right, right. And, you know, it's it's us who is in the, you know, our company. We're in the weeds. We know, you know, we're able to do these tactical um, opportunities with X artists or Y brands. Like we're mm-hmm. really on the cutting edge of culture and that's where we live. Like we carved a niche and we're able to do those things. So I would say it's not so much an artist go work with X brands, even though it's at this point with social media and everything, you could DM Adidas. Chances are you're going to get a DM back and they're going to want to work with you. And that's how it works. But I would implore you to take the Kobe Bryant route or the Puff route or the Jay-Z route and and kind of find a way to, to own the IP because mm-hmm. you'll be a lot better off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 100%. we might go broke because of that because no brands will want to yeah. work with us. But <laughs> listen, you, we're, we're looking out for the, the greater good. No, it makes a lot of sense, man. Brands could white label something and you could do a revenue split however you want. Right, right. So that's another opportunity. Right. Well, Jordan, that's thank you so much for coming on, man. I think this has been uh, super incredible. I think you have a... Uh, kind of broad array of knowledge across yeah. the different kind of like slices of the music industry pie. So appreciate you sharing them with yeah. us tonight, man. Yeah. Wait, I, I do want to, I do want to ask you a question. Um, I actually, we were, I was, I forgot where I was. I was out the other day and um, I was talking to someone who worked at a label and they, they kind of said, um, you know, obviously labels right now are just using the data that they have at, at their fingertips, right? Um, and it's kind of, and same thing with, with you know, they'll look at playlists or they'll look at how many people listen to this song or they'll look at this and that will be the reason why they sign X artist, right? Well, it depends on the label. Depending on the yeah, label, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But usually labels are looking at those of, metrics. It's a mix of that and something else. Right, right, yeah. right. And and I will guess I'll ask you the same question that you kind of asked me. Like, what are you looking for in terms of an artist? Or what do you what do you think about the way the industry is kind of just taking the data and saying, okay, you know, we'll sign an artist because he has 10,000, you know, views on a YouTube video in 24 hours? Or how are you? Um, now, because for, for those who don't know, Jordan has both a label and a or is that yeah, yeah. is that public knowledge? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you have a, yeah. a label and a management company, right? So you play both sides of the fence. How are you, you know, how do you feel in that whole situation because on one side you have the artists that you manage mm-hmm. that are getting dissected by, you know, the algorithms whether it be Spotify or the, the labels themselves and then you are a label yourself and you're looking at these same artists. So how are you kind of looking at it both ways? Um, so we have ARs for the label side. Yeah. Um, for the management side, and I guess what I would do if I was an A&R on the label side is one, I have to be like really excited about it, or yeah. else I just can't. I can't work for it, and and that won't benefit them either. So I have to be really excited about it. Um, I would say, you know, if you had asked me a year ago or so, I would have said I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I think it took time for me to actually work for artists that I really appreciate and be like, this is what this feeling is like when I really want to work for somebody and when I really like what they're doing. That's not necessarily where the buck stops, though, because then I have to ask myself, am I the best person for this artist? So I told you before we started recording, when we already managed a client, 
and we may want to sign them to a label, we have to look at all of the deals that they've got, not just the one that we've given them. We have to see if ours stacks up and is best for that client. Before I even start working with somebody, I think, am I even the best person to do this? You know what I mean? I'll give you an example. One of my friends is like a social media influencer. And he said he didn't really like his, his manager that much. And he was like, you know, he's, he's pretty big. I'm not going to say his name because I'm not trying to put him on blast, but he's pretty big. And he was like, do you guys have any space to manage me? And I don't know how serious he was with that or not, but I didn't even entertain it because what am I going to do managing a social media influencer? Would I have made a lot of money? Like, yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't about that. It was like, I don't know the field. I, don't, I, can't, I can't help you. And you have to be honest with yourself. Once it gets to, I like this person for whatever they do, it's how well can I actually work on this person's behalf? Because at the end of the day, I just want what's best for the artist. So if what's best for the artist, I, there's a lot of people, you know, I listen to music all the time. I don't only listen to the artists I work for. There's some artists I love that, you know, aren't signed to a label who I'm like, look, it might not make sense here. Or there's some artists I love that don't have management. And I'm like, hey, I, I you know... I just can't, I can't be involved for whatever reason. So I guess to answer your question is one, how much do, how much do I want to, when it, I, there is a feeling when I, when I hear a song that I really like and I'm like, damn, I want to work for this person. It's, it's deep, it's deeper than I like this shit. It's I, damn, I want to help. And then past that is, can I help? And those are the two questions that I try yeah. to ask myself. I mean, artist development isn't easy. No. At all. Like obviously we we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but Instagram and and all these different outlets make it seem like you could just get rich quick, get famous quick, put out a hit or two, and you know of course it's happening in some situations, but artist development is tough. If it was easy though, it wouldn't be like nearly as fun, you know. Hundred <laughs> percent, it would be 100%. nearly as fun. You could just sign up. Can't I mean, wait to see the fruits of our labor. Right. Exactly. 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 That like that like takes the whole vision out of what you're doing. If if it was easy as shit, you know what I mean. So, and that's where and, and and that's where I know we we spoke about it earlier. But you know, case studies try to help people like pattern match with with data points. But and, and that's the case for a lot of these young artists who might have found it easy to to get seen or mm-hmm. you know got on a you know the, the easy path. You ask a kid these days who you're trying to sign, right? The same way you were like. You know, you need to kind of ask them what their goals are and and where they think they can be in six months. And like a lot of these kids are just like, yeah, I want to be like that artist. I want to put out a video with Cole Bennett and it will live on Lyrical Lemonade and <laughs> I'll be the next Juice World. And and it's crazy, right? It's, it's really, really crazy. And and the people who who are, you know, succumb to these case studies and just think, oh, that's the, that's, it's like game theory, right? It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's the, that's, that's what you need to do to be, to be a, a huge artist in the, in the business these days. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. And it's the managers that, you know, we know and, and you, and there's so many different people, you know, Harry and Chris, you guys had on, on this podcast and guys like Jamil and Matt who, who work with, with um, G Easy and a friend Neil, who works with Bryson Tiller. Bryson Tiller hasn't put out a song in two years, right? And it's just, you know, it's those managers, kind of like very, very behind the scenes, but Austin Rosen. And I think my partner Eli and I are, are along that same line. It's like, um, we're the managers who, God willing, are going to be around for 20 years because we have the experience and we know that mm-hmm. this is a long game. And, you know, there's not only one path. Uh, let me get my video on Lyrical Lemonade and kudos to them it's huge right <laughs> and it's huge and and realistically like not everyone gets accepted to that path but if you do it, it's a it's a nice one but at the end of the day you know it's such an evolving industry you got to always be on the forefront the experience that you have from those past years is the reason you're gonna god willing be around for for 20 yeah. 30 40 50 years you gotta be aware yeah. and you have to be strategic mm-hmm. Boom. all about the strategy all about the strategy and everything's ever evolving, you know, right. Who knew TikTok? Like we talked about it. TikTok, uh, who, yeah, who knew it was going to be on fire? Like artists are, I know labels are signing these TikTok kids out of thin air. Right. There's and one like, right now. Actually, I heard it was yeah. getting the advance of like $10 million. Right. Or something like that. And right. His, his track got big off TikTok and now streaming like 3 million times a day on Spotify. Right. So, (laughs) right. And that's like, that to me is crazy. But again, is that the same thing as we were talking about earlier? Is it them working like a VC firm and throwing a bunch of shit on a wall and 
God forbid, in six months, TikTok's gone. It's like, where's that artist going? Mm-hmm. You know, like, where'd all that money that they invested yeah. go? And it's very, it's such a, in, in, it's such an amazing time in the industry because, you know, you could really see, as we mentioned, the fruits of your labor, you put in the hard work and, you know, there's so many different avenues and there's so many different opportunities for artists to get involved. But again, you're only going to go as far as far as your artist is going to work. Mm, right. You can outwork everyone in the industry. If your artist isn't putting in the same work as you are, chances are it's not going to go. Right. Uh, I loved being on this. Yeah, yeah man. Good to have guys. It's good been real. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Well, uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? I told you in the beginning. Like, like, Yo, my, shit private, yeah, my stuff is private. But my you last could, name is anonymous. Yeah, you can find us. <laughs> no, no, Grace Space Group on Instagram. We have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the things that that we're working on and artists we're working with. Thank you so much, man. Woo! Fire! That show was hot. Thank you, Jordan. Really appreciated having you on as my co-host today, Jordan. <laughs> you know, and, and Jordan Thank Stern. You. Um, it was a pleasure having Jordan, both Jordans on. Uh, I think Jordan... <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jordan Stern, he's a real one. I think um, the approach he's taking is really inspiring to me. I think it's a really interesting way of kind of helping artists, but also having this brand marketing side that enables them to really create amazing partnerships and help change culture. Um, very excited about everything they have in the works. And I think as you guys heard, his passion is crazy through the roof. Um, I think he'll only continue to, to thrive and grow. So very, very grateful we had him on today. Yeah. And um, obviously it was really awesome hearing about what it was like working for Diddy. I think people will find a lot of a lot of uh, learning experiences through that. And you can tell he has, you know, he has that energy. I feel, you know, just being around him, it was like clearly, clearly there was a mentor that gave him a lot of knowledge and that person was Diddy. And when, you know, when he was in here talking, he sounded like, a, you know, a future mogul himself. So I hope people got a lot out of what he was saying because he was spitting that real rap raw. Can't stop, won't stop. All right, <laughs> Music Business Podcast, we out. <laughs>